Welcome to the BioCharisma Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Gardner. This week we have Sophia Smallstorm of avatarproducts.com. Sophia has been a friend of mine for about seven years, seven, eight years now, and I got into her work um, after seeing her videos on 9-11 Mysteries and then diving deep into her website aboutthesky.com and learning she she was the 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 person that really got me into understanding the agenda behind synthetic biology and a whole myriad of other things within this podcast we dive a little bit into that but the main thing that we focus on is the notion of light and coherent light and how light can actually affect our bodies in in a reparative way in a restorative way and um, I just had to say, we just started to touch on things. We uh, built a pretty good bridge where we're going to be able to jump off into some of the weather modification things that I've been talking about as of late. Um, but this podcast, we mainly focus on our biology. And it's excellent. It seems like it, within the sphere of all the podcasters that I listen to and the researchers that I follow... Everybody's kind of on the same page. They're all on the on the, you know following the notion that the subtle controls the gross. And the whole notion of light that we've been taught about photons <laughs> traveling like little particles and uh, they do this, that and the other, that's not the case. Uh, light is one of these uh, wonderful ways in which this uh, holographic experience gets to happen. So, Enjoy the podcast, and I'll see you on the flip side. Good day, BioCharismites. Today we have Sophia Smallstorm. Uh, Sophia has been a wonderful, intrepid researcher that I've been aware of now for close to a dozen years. Her work with the uh, synthetic biology, diving into all different types of black flags, um, all these different ways of being able to observe our surroundings uh, have been absolutely inspirational to me. I always find myself jumping in on, on the coattails of Sophia's research and, and finding about a thousand more pages worth of research of all the little tidbits that she throws out there. Sophia, how are you doing today? I'm fine. How are you? I am wonderful. I, I'm I'm so excited to have you on. I, I just find your mind to be impeccable and the the threads that you like to pull on, on on this tapestry of life have been just remarkable. I feel simpatico to you in many, many ways. Well, thank you. Just know my mind is not impeccable. It's um, flawed. <laughs> I'm a human being. Well, we're we're all flawed. I no no one that listens to this stream is going to think that we're we're perfect in any way. It's just one of those things that it, with rhetoric, with actually going into something and having the capacity to communicate and people mirroring and bouncing things off of each other. I think this heightens the entire consciousness of of humanity and so that's what this whole podcast is about is to have people like you that have this capacity to see things slightly differently and then be able to be able to essentially argue it a little bit actually look at it and and from different perspectives and go a little bit deeper well yes okay so let's begin wonderful so 
I was reading your July, August 22 um, newsletter. And by the way, folks, the $50 to pay for this newsletter is like, it, it's a drop in the bucket for the amount of knowledge that you could get from Sophia with, with her snail mail newsletters. Um, within this particular newsletter, you, it, I, just to, to summarize, there's this one statement that you have in there from one of the authors that you're talking about, and it was biophysics as boss. And that right there, I was just immediately uh, magnetized to that statement, you know, the nice little physics pun. But the, the biophysics as boss has been something that I've been really looking into for quite a while as, as, um, as a huge fan of Dr. Thomas Cowan's work, uh, Dr. Jennifer Daniels, all these people that you actually turned me on to over the, over the years, I've actually become friends with. And I, I just really would like to dive into that today. Okay, so how do you want to start? Well, so I really see biophysics as boss as, as really in a way mirroring and it runs parallel to your work with the whole synthetic biology. Um, and in the, in this particular newsletter, you're, you're talking essentially about coherent light and how coherent light actually activates the different energy pathways of our mitochondria and how by coherent light, you could also call that a laser. <laughs> um, I know coherent light you know, in my own life from Temescals and sweat lodges and being around saunas where you have the, like the red glowing embers and, and feeling the benefit of that in my body. So I guess we could start there with what coherent light does to the body and how, why it actually has a benefit for us. I think you're talking more about infrared. Yes. And thermal energy, which is what you get from a sauna, which is what you get from a sweat lodge. Mm -hmm. But lasers are very different. Okay. Yes. All of this plays into our biophysics, but mm -hmm. a laser is a very specific device. And the acronym LASER stands for light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation, mm -hmm. which is light radiation. Okay. So Actually, it should be not amplification, but oscillation, but that would have created the acronym LOSER, so <laughs> they didn't use it. So yeah, so we're talking about light radiation, which is then concentrated into a beam. When you're in sunlight, when you're in, um, in any kind of, I mean, there are infrared panel lights, box lights that you can buy that are fairly cheap, and some of them are very expensive. And you can put these, you know, train them on a sore back or a sore knee, and they pump out a certain wavelength range. It might be 650 to 1200 nanometers of infrared light. Mm -hmm. But here's the problem. They're not coherent. Coherent, cohered means concentrated. Mm -hmm. And lasers, I mean, you may have seen lasers, they put out these red beams, that's a concentrated beam of light, okay? Mm -hmm. And lasers come in different wavelengths. So the laser I wrote about in this newsletter, which I had been treated by for um, 
musculoskeletal issues was the Phoenix Theralase, which is 1275 nanometers. But um, other lasers, most research shows that human tissue responds optimally in terms of healing to um, 810 nanometers. So most of the cold lasers that you buy will be in that 810 nanometer range. Now, what is a cold laser versus a hot laser? The uh, medical world has for a long time now used lasers for surgical purposes. And these are the hot lasers and they will burn and ablate and kill and cut tissue. Mm -hmm. So surgeons use lasers. You've heard of laser-assisted surgery, right? Yes. Okay. But the lasers that I wrote about, the lasers that are therapeutic, are called cold lasers. And you can go to the internet, go to coldlasers.org mm -hmm. and read about all the studies that have been done on cold laser therapy. So what ultimately happens with um, the beam from a cold laser, let's say at 810 nanometers, is that your tissues start to produce ATP, your cells. So you may have an injury and it may not have been getting better, and then you treat it with a few sweeps of a cold laser for a few minutes, and suddenly the pain starts to go away, the, the area of your body starts to heal. And this is because that particular infrared wavelength is being put to use by your body as it does with all forms of the light spectrum. And this is what I learned from the book, The Mitochondriac Manifesto. That's mm. also a big subject in that July, August newsletter. So my friend Randy Lee, R.D. Lee, he goes by, is the author of the Mitochondriac Manifesto. And in that book, you will learn an awful lot about biophysics. And you will also learn that biophysics controls your health, dictates the, um, the quality of your health, affects the quality of your health way more than the food you eat mm -hmm. way 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 more so classically conventionally people have you know tried to get more healthy by eating a more healthy diet or exercising or doing both but the fact is that it's all about how much light you're getting the magnetism the electromagnetism in your body and affecting your body in the environment and the quality of the water that mm -hmm. you are able to build in your body, which is structured water, which is H3O2, not H2O. Mm -hmm. So biophysics is in charge of all your biology. And everything that we have been told about diet, exercise, supplements, that comes on a lower level, that's secondary, tertiary to what's happening to us biophysically. Yes. Yeah, th this makes complete sense to me because I've been in the yoga world for, you know, 20 plus years. And I've been around yogis that were able to essentially supplement their body through what they would call prana. <laughs> and like you said, you can actually attain prana, not necessarily just through food. You can attain it through breath, through movement, through being in, in, different types of what I would say, uh, harmonic light, like when you're actually in sunlight that isn't obscured, 
by any type of synthetic veil that's being put on you, you can actually absorb that light and uh, have it structure your body. And um, <laughs> I've been I've been somewhat somewhat of a uh, water uh, aficionado in my life and structuring water with uh, far infrared as it vortexes, the water has a much higher quality. It has a, I guess you would say a, a different type of viscosity that gives it a sweetness to it. Um, so I, I totally concur with everything that you're saying. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm giving you from Randy's book more of a scientific basis for what happens, you know, we mm -hmm. have been told that the defect in our health is likely to be something inside of us. Mm -hmm. We look at blood work. We look at images from radiology, x-rays and scans, and we want to find out what's wrong. And right. we don't realize the conventional medical world doesn't realize that it's not that the body is malfunctioning. It's because the body is reacting to an environment that's poor. Right. Yes. So you have to, Randy says, you have to look around you for the source of your health problems, not inside, because it's the environment that's defective. Absolutely. That I'm, I'm a hundred percent. Cause you know, when you look at the whole terrain aspect of life, I mean, we've all been in that, like we've all been in areas that for whatever reason we didn't vibe with, and then our vitals start to drop. You know, I've, I've heard so many of your podcasts where like, you're, you're not right unless you go take a swim or you get your time on the beach. Like we all have those things that give us, you know, make us right. And we just like those, those people that are more inclined to, to actually feel good and, and operate on a little bit higher of an octave. Uh, generally go ahead and do whatever they can to, to, to make their environment conducive to their health. So let me ask you, what would you say is the reason that, for instance, I like to swim or I like to go to the beach? Do you know what it is that's actually happening? What's coming to us from that? Why do people have these favorite things to do? And if you really examine everybody's favorite thing to do that gives them an energy boost or makes them feel right. Mm -hmm. You will find this as the common denominator. What, what is it? Uh, I would think there's something with the water element with you that transfers electricity to your body. Um, you moving through large bodies of water probably also sheds a lot of the positive ionization that you take on um, when you're in the more synthetic environment. And when you walk on the beach too, you're breathing all that freshly ionized air and your, your feet making contact with the silica, you know, that in and of itself would also induce a very, very healing therapeutic electrical current in your body. Right. So you basically hit on it, although you didn't say the precise word, which is electrons. All right. So you mm -hmm. mentioned ionization when an element loses or gains electrons, it becomes an ion, mm -hmm. anions and cations. Mm -hmm. So positive charge is when it loses an electron. Negative charge is when it gains an electron. So it's the electrons that really keep you going, not proteins, carbohydrates, fats. Mm -hmm. um, so the ATP that your cells produce as their energy 
it consists of electrons. It's a nano battery, you could say, that allows your cells to grab electrons from that and use them for metabolic purposes. So this is really, Randy calls it mitophysics because it's the mitochondria in your body that are in the cells, that are the energy generators of the cell. And in interestingly, people have heard the word mitochondria. They've heard mitochondrial DNA. Mitochondria have their own DNA because they aren't human. They mm -hmm. are actually derived from ancient bacteria. So we have this other organism that lives in each of our cells, except for the red blood cells. They don't have a nucleus. Um, the mitochondria these foreign foreign little things they're tiny 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 organelles they're called and they mm -hmm. come from they relate to they are related to and are derived from ancient bacteria and they are the energy producers of our body so what happens when you start getting ill is that the mitochondria in a certain type of tissue type of cell they start to fail meaning they're not producing enough energy for that cell that cell type that tissue area that organ and that basically there's only one disease which is mitochondrial failure in a particular type of cell mm -hmm. and wherever that mitochondrial failure starts to show up is given a disease name if it shows up in your eye it could be called glaucoma if it shows up in your liver it could be called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease right mm -hmm. so these diseases are all really they have the same etiology the mitochondria are failing mm -hmm. and as those mitochondria fail and start to make less energy for the cells the cells have basically three choices they either die outright that's called necrosis or they linger and wobble along and then that becomes a disease state, mm -hmm. disease of one kind or other, depending on where those cells are. Or they have a fallback, a default, by which they can, the cell, I'm talking about cells, cells can start to produce energy in the cytoplasm, not in the nucleus. The mitochondria are located in the nucleus. So now the cell can say, all right, I know how to make energy in the cytoplasm. That's the surrounding area to the nucleus. And they do this through um, what's called glycolysis. They feed on sugars mm -hmm. using enzymes, right? And that is the basis of cancer. When a cell becomes glycolytic, mm. it's becoming cancerous. And it starts to um, replicate itself ad nauseum because it's in a frantic frantic uh, mode of trying to survive so it copies itself over and over and over and over and that's a tumor and right. it doesn't hear a normal cell subdivides like 70 times but when a glycolytic cell is subdividing madly it's not hearing from its nucleus the signal to okay stop this is enough mm -hmm. subdivisions we can't have any more you're basically worn out so it's the mitochondria that issue that signal called apoptosis. But because the mitochondria are failing and, and dying, the cell doesn't hear it. And that is what's called unregulated cell division. And that's cancer, right? That's how you're getting tumor. Mm -hmm. And this has the, the communication pathway 
you brought this up years ago when interviewing uh, Dr. Zach Bush with the redox pathways. This was something where I, I still don't even know how a redox communication can occur, but this is what you're talking about, right? Like when the one cell could communicate via another cell, or is this all internally within this the cell? This is cells? all internal to, okay. the, to the one cell. Whether it can hear its signal to die or not has to do with itself. Now, just to uh, clarify, I have not interviewed Zach Bush. I have done interviews about his product, which is now called Ion, after I studied it and tried to figure out how mm -hmm. does it work. It works pretty well. And Ion is sold in my online store, Avatar Products. And so is um, the book, The Mitochondriac Manifesto. Perfect. So um, just letting people know. So yeah, this redox signaling, redox balance, redox means reduction and oxidation. So it's a very crazy kind of backwards concept. What's reduction? What's oxidation? Um, mm -hmm. Reduction and oxidation have to do with how many electrons um, cells have in your body. If they're taking up electrons, they're actually become. this is called reduction. It's crazy. If they're losing electrons, it's called oxidation. So it's kind of backwards. And when you look at the, um, the electron transport chain and the oxygen phosphorylation cycle, you can kind of start to grasp it if you're not a biochemist but i would tell people just don't even try it's too crazy it's too backwards just know that redox means the uptake and loss of electrons loss meaning are you losing are you using these electrons up that's all loss means and if your body is in a state of what's called oxidative stress it means that your cells are using tons of electrons and those mitochondria aren't making more ATP. They're somehow, uh, they're corrupted. They cannot make enough energy. So disease is caused by oxidation, meaning your body is losing energy. It's losing electrons. It's using up too many and it's not getting enough fresh electrons. So here's something that's very important that people don't realize in our modern world. When you walk barefoot on the beach, when you go outside and you garden and you you know, dig your fingers into moist soil when you swim, even if it's in a pool, because a pool, an underground pool is mm -hmm. laid in gunite. That's a form of concrete. You mentioned silica when you talked about walking on the beach. Mm -hmm. These are crystalline um, substances and they transport and conduct electrons. So there is electron conduction in the surface of the earth. And it's theorized that that comes from lightning strikes because lightning hits the earth, um, you know, 200 times a second somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And that lightning creates a voltage or current in the surface of the earth, which is largely water conductive and soil or dirt or rock also conductive because of the silica and other minerals and metals in it. So we're getting at all times when we lived what I'll call a, a an old conventional, proper, traditional existence, we were either barefoot on dirt floors 
or we wore leather shoes, which are also conductive. Mm -hmm. Once your feet get moist in leather, that leather is going to start conducting. So we were getting what's called free electron transfer all the time, almost all the time. Mm -hmm. And we don't get it anymore. We wear rubber shoes. We live in raised buildings. Our floors are sealed. Our roads are covered with tar, asphalt, mm -hmm. sealed. And so where do we get free electron transfer? We only get that if we're outside barefoot, not in tennis shoes, not in running shoes. We get it walking on the beach. We get it swimming in the pool. Yes. Yes. And also if you're ever out by like a big bonfire, the, I, I noticed when I lived in the tropics with the, when the wet season would come, I used to be like, oh my God, I'm getting scurvy, you know, because when the monsoon season would hit, there'd be like three months with no sun. And uh, a friend of mine turned me on to essentially having big wooden fires. And then I found that I could actually kind of replace sunlight with the, the light from a fire and the heat from a fire that kind of rejuvenated my body also. Well, yes. I mean, what's happening with visible light, which is what sunlight is, it's the visible light spectrum, your body is receiving that sunlight, principally through your skin and your eyes. And mm -hmm. then it's breaking it up into many different separate frequencies of light. So we have each each color, the Roy G. Biv spectrum, or violet, indigo, red, green, yellow, orange, red, or the opposite is ROI, mm -hmm. Roy G. Biv, right? Vibgi or Roy G. Biv. So each of those colors has its own frequency, and your body takes sunlight, splits it up into green light, blue light, red light, intra, infrared light, ultraviolet light, and sends those separate frequencies all around, which become kind of like messengers or triggers to other biochemical um exchanges, interactions, activities. So without full spectrum light, you start to suffer. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing. I, I've, in my professional life, I've built these, these Temescals that were um, essentially in the Mexican tradition, you would build them with red brick in the, and nobody really knew why red brick was so important with with doing them. And it, it, they've come to find out that when you heat red brick to a certain temperature, the the clay, the bauxite clay, emits far infrared. <laughs> so you're you're not only getting the thermal benefit of that, but you're also getting on a on a non visible light spectrum. You're you're receiving this far infrared. Uh, light spectrum that turns on your mitochondria and all the rest of it to, to get back to the lasers when when you've made the, the the delineation between a cold laser and then this this warm light that i'm talking about is there anything in the literature that you've read that says that the warm light is also could create a coherent effect in the body no well the laser is a coherent light beam. It's right. like talking about a needle versus a sheet of metal. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yes. uh, from Randy's book, I'll just read you something. 
Okay. Light is the alpha and omega of human biology and more than 99% of life on Earth. A healthy body is good at capturing light, storing it, transforming it, using it, and reabsorbing it. Okay, so in the animal kingdom, which we're a part of, organs and organisms become dysfunctional because they're not good at retaining light. Mm -hmm. So if you can't retain light and use it properly, that's called leaking light. And people who are sick, people who are obese, people who have bad um, physical conditions or in bad physical health, they are losing light. They are leaking light. Mm -hmm. So they literally lose too much light to the environment when they should be holding on to it and using it to do cellular work. So the more light an organism can retain and use, the more complexity it can build within it and the more vitality it has. Um, thus, you could conclude that um, the mark of good health is the efficiency with which your body is able to harvest light from the environment, convert it into different light frequencies, and then store it for future use. This makes complete sense to me. Like in all the practices, whether it's Qigong or yoga, or even the simple athletics of like swimming or hiking, you're essentially moving through your landscape in a very specific way. So more aspects of your body are actually have the capacity to become a, a, a photovoltaic panel. You know, you, there's more parts of your body that can actually uh, interact with the environment that would give it the capacity to take up these free electrons, as you say, or absorb light from the surrounding environment. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about how you're moving or anything like that, um, but you have to be in an environment that supplies light, photons and electrons to you. And we mm -hmm. are losing that. We're indoors and we're living with these LEDs. Mm -hmm. By the way, I have um, full spectrum LED bulbs in my store, which emit light that is bio-friendly rather than the kind of LEDs that you find in Home Depot and and if you go to supermarkets to buy light bulbs, these LEDs will ultimately destroy the photoreceptors in your eyes and they concentrate only blue light. So I shouldn't use the word concentrate, but they concentrate in the blue light range. That's mm -hmm. what they put out. And you cannot just be in blue light all the time. Your body wants full spectrum light because you have your circadian rhythms during the day, the blue light of the ultraviolet blue light of the morning wakes you up. And then as the sun starts getting yellower, the sunlight, that changes the mechanisms that are going on inside you. And then as you start getting the infrared of late day, that kind of that part of the light spectrum, you start to shut down and rest. So the the whole problem with living in these artificially lit environments is that we do not have, first of all, full spectrum light to work with. And second of all, it's always the wrong part of the spectrum. Um, mm -hmm. It's very limited and it starts to mix us up. We don't go into the proper circadian cycles. Right. I think it was years ago you turned me on to the whole photobiology of what, like, I think I'm a, I'm an early... I'm early to bed and early to wake. I forget what that's called. If that's like the, it's not the wolf or the bear. 
Do you know what I'm talking about with the, how we all have our, we all have different yeah. types of photoreceptors. And uh, I'm definitely one of these people that's ultra sensitive to light. So as soon as, uh, as soon as sunset hits, I'm like, I feel everything powering down. <laughs> and no, then, and that's how it should be. And, yeah. you know, honestly, before we had artificial light, I'm reading a book now about the whole invention of artificial light and what it's done to us. I hope to finish this book soon and write a newsletter on it. And this is another thing I do. I will read a book and then write a newsletter on what I've read and bring in other things so that I can tie more of a bigger picture together. And then mm. I share that with readers. I just finished the book and this is going to be the subject most likely of my next newsletter called Four Fish. Ooh. Yeah. And if you go to the supermarket today, or you go to buy food, or you go to a restaurant, there's basically four fish being offered to you. Whereas once upon a time, there were all kinds of fish that mm -hmm. people caught and cooked. And now we have, do you know what the four are? I would say tilapia has to be one of them. They have a, they have a fake sea bass out there that I know isn't actual sea bass, but every restaurant carries it. So my, I, my guess for at least two of them, oh, they'll probably have some like farm-raised salmon. And those would be my three guesses of the four. Well, tilapia is a subset. Tilapia is actually a vegetarian fish, which is one reason why they are marketing it. But it's salmon, mm -hmm. cod, tuna. And why did I forget the last one? Hold on one second. Salmon, cod, tuna, and oh yeah, sea bass. That's sea bass. the other one. Sea bass, yeah. yeah. So um that's it. Those are the four. And what and that's just because they can farm raise these? Like what's the what's the catch? They have experimented with ways to um multiply these particular four kinds of fish, but they're not the easiest fish to deal with, you know. I mean they um, they're complex mm -hmm. and uh, it takes for instance 20 pounds of feed to produce one pound of tuna so it's not not economical mm -hmm. and it talks sustainability then it's not sustainable so all right well anyway that was a little <laughs> digression <laughs> well so getting back to like the photobiology because there's this whole thing it because you, you're a water nerd like I am, you know, you've heard people talk about deuterium depleted water. H have you heard that before? The whole notion of, of drinking deuterium depleted water? I have heard it, but I don't know much about it. I have stuff on it, but it has, it's not something I've looked into. I think you would get a kick out of it because it has a lot to do with how our mitochondria works. The, the notion is, is that deuterium as heavy hydrogen, there's an extra, I believe, neutron in it. And it may, it doubles the atomic weight of hydrogen and the, the, the mitochondria in our body, whenever it's subjected to deuterium, it totally breaks the mechanics <laughs> of how they're, how the transduction of energy works within, within the mitochondria. So what they're finding is the reason why uh, a lot of people these days have such low, uh, just for lack of a better term, energetic capacity is because th there are so many things in their diet that are, are lending deuterium to them. 
a lot like you brought up the four fish, like a lot of these farm raised things that are artificial or, you know, uh, you've been a great educator when it comes to glyphosate. Glyphosate greatly uh, increases the amount of deuterium that's in things. Essentially what deuterium does is whatever our natural biology it is, it gums up the, the energy making framework for our body to produce what's necessary. So that's, that's heavy hydrogen is deuterium. And then you have a substance or, um, uh, hydrogen that's called light hydrogen is protium. And that's, that's, um, hydrogen without a neutron. I always forget the, the, the actual electron, proton, neutron aspect of it. But whenever you take in protium, that is like one of these, like what a lot of people would say is eth, um, the, well, I'm not going to call it ether. It's what they would call prana. It's what they would call orgone. It's, it's these things that enliven, invigorate the, the, the body. And um, there are now companies that are concentrating in proteolytic water. And I haven't yet tried it. I, you know, I, I usually get my water from my own spring on my property. So I feel very blessed with that. But this goes right in alignment with what you're talking about with how the mitochondria produces energy relative to what environment it's being subjected to. Yeah, I have a paper here on deuterium. So it's an isotope when mm -hmm. an element has extra protons and mm -hmm. it's heavy. That's what adds to the weight in the nucleus. It's called an isotope. So anyway, um, there is something called sulfate, sulfate production mm. that relates to deuterium also. So because it's got so many steps to it, I haven't studied it. But yes, it says here, deuterium is a natural element. It shows up everywhere. In seawater, only about 155 out of every million hydrogen atoms is a deuterium atom. But because there are so many hydrogen atoms in the body, this amounts to a significant amount of deuterium. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's estimated to have six times as high a concentration in the blood as calcium. So again, deuterium is in us, mm -hmm. but... I'm not sure how it relates to phosphate. I'm not sure how it affects the mitochondria. And, you know, you have to really study this. I don't believe in just throwing out an idea that I don't understand fully and I have forgotten this part or that part. So mm -hmm. I would personally just skip it altogether if I can't study it and speak about it or explain it to myself even, right? Right. So this, this deuterium little piece has been on my desktop for about three years <laughs> all right and i've never looked further because i can't follow it it's too much yeah so well it's it's kind of fun because I, I live my life very anecdotally i'm always experimenting on myself and so i've i've gotten uh different types of water conditioning devices and i've i've done all these things because the the big the big thing with structured water, you know, H3O4, easy water, exclusion zone water, people are always trying to find out what the magic of water is. And I, for 10 years, was developing my own uh, water purification system. So getting into why do, why do magnets affect water a certain way? What type of magnets to use? How, how like, a, what is the relationship between water 
structured water, the light spectrum, like you were talking about earlier, like if, if you go ahead and put a cold laser on water, what occurs to the water relative to if you put something in the far infrared, you know, band, like all of these things have been, you know, swirling around in my consciousness. And the only way I've been able to really, you know, understand it is by testing the water, like actually drinking it and seeing the effect on my body. And so I don't really concentrate necessarily on the, the, the great specifics of what the scientists are saying, because in all actuality, I don't think anybody really knows. Mm -hmm. I think, I think they have an idea. <laughs> I think they're pointing in the right direction, but it's that, it's that whole Dallas thing. You can finger point at the moon, but that doesn't mean you're touching the moon. So the best thing that we can do is experiment. Like, you know, we think because you're swimming in the ocean and you're walking on the beach that, you know, electrons are moving through your body and that's why you feel better. That could be a large part of it, but it's probably not the whole picture of it. So just so you know, the conversations that I have with people is like, once again, none of us are perfectionists. We're not coming from the space of like, we have the whole picture. We're just, we're just trading. We're, we're just exchanging the, the information that we've experimented with in our own life. And yeah. And it's based on the experience of, I mean, I read Randy's book. Randy spent six years on this book, if you can believe it. Oh. And we wrote it a couple of times. You know, he's really into this and I only can read about this stuff since I don't have a lab I'm not a scientist and I don't want to start delving into the nitty-gritty details of why something does something I'd rather understand it conceptually mm -hmm. but there is some stuff out there that's just too difficult to try to figure out and so you have to say okay I'll take so-and-so's word for it and I'll try it and I'll see how it affects me in my life but my experiences are largely through contemplating material that I've read and then finding that it fits in this, that, or the other place with something else. So then it starts to build a picture. And of course, I try some of this out in my life. Mm -hmm. But again, I am not the type of person who's going to go for every supplement that somebody suggests to me. Because right. number one, that'll drain your wallet. Number two, <laughs> it'll confuse your body even, you know? How do you know if you're taking... I knew a guy who, <laughs> he used to work for a very, very uh, well-known vitamin company, I can't even remember the name, but if I told you, you would go, oh yeah, I remember them back in the eighties. Right. Mm -hmm. And his kitchen cupboard, he showed me, it had about a hundred different bottles and jars in it, all oh. different supplements. Yes. And he told me he took them all every morning, mm. every morning. He took all this stuff in these right. bottles. And I, I mean, first of all, to swallow all of that stuff, and then he told me, and this is kind of silly and idiotic, I feel like I'm a small child saying this, but he would then poop five times before he left for work. Oh, wow. And That's I'm going, lot. hey, <laughs> you're taking all these supplements that cost all this money, and where is most of it going? In right? the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's some expensive poop. <laughs> I know. But again, we can't say whether 
those supplements helped him or not. You're supposed to poop multiple times a day. So maybe that was good. I don't know. Yeah. It just seemed to me there was like an equation there that was too easy not to ignore, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I've taken your words to heart. Like I take the, the nascent iodine. I take the magnesium. After listening to your work on Stephanie Seneff and like then going into reading her book and everything about the the sulfate connection to the body, <laughs> like I make sure I have my, you know, farm raised organic eggs and all the rest of it to get to get the, the necessary sulfur I need. I've, I've really taken all that to heart and it really has made a huge difference. I think that there's a, a capacity for our body once it's at a certain health level for it to actually be like the little internal alchemist and make the things it needs. I, I'm, I'm not necessarily of the opinion that our body always needs from the external environment um, like it actually needs to consume it. Like we we're talking about, like food isn't the end all be all. Like our body is, is much more in on the biophysics realm. And our, if we're not permeable, like if our gut isn't permeable and it's functioning the way it should, if it has all these like quadrillions of different organisms inside of us, if our GI tract is just a, a home for all these external little critters, they can really just like the, the, the mycelium out in the soil, they can kind of transduce, you know, whatever you're taking into your body, they can transduce it into what you need. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, how children remember, I don't know what era you grew up in, but I grew up in the sixties mm -hmm. and I didn't live in America at that time, but I certainly knew what the American children were eating. Cause I went to school with them. Mm -hmm. And they had their commissaries and they were eating Wonder Bread and peanut butter and jelly for lunch every day. Right. And in fact, a friend of mine who then became a, a star cross country runner in her teens living on this stuff, right? Peanut butter and jelly and mm -hmm. Wonder Bread. She, whenever she went to her friend's house, they had a special cupboard for, they called it Susie food. <laughs> because she, she wouldn't eat anything they ate. She only wanted her peanut butter and her Wonder Bread, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So this this friend, Susie, becomes this star runner. I mm -hmm. mean, how does how is this possible, eating that stuff, right? And the answer is because we're young. Our mitochondria are in great shape. Mm -hmm. And the programs in our bodies are new rather than old. Mm -hmm. So when you get older... And those programs start to wear out. Um, I'm not sure if those programs can be rejuvenated. I'm thinking about this now and reading a little more about it. And this is, I'm reading Anna Mahalchia's book, Light Medicine, which is also in my store. I was interviewed by her recently, and I find her book quite fascinating. But basically, that's when you have to start to tweak things. You have to tweak your environment more as you age. You have to tweak your diet i mean it'll it will help you to eat better than to eat worse the older you are the harder it's going to be to eat you know conventionally grown gmo food pasta that it has is laden with glyphosate right mm -hmm. you have to start fine-tuning some of this with a little bit of awareness and understanding and you will notice incremental improvements but i think what makes people improve radically is the 
change that they make in their environment. The more electrons they get, the more light they get, they're going to start feeling better. The food and the supplementation is going to affect you, but not as I don't think it's going to affect you as radically as changes in your environment, but it's only when, I mean, I'm, I've been talking to people who were pro triathletes and they did not eat healthy food. No, they just ate whatever they could. Right. right. Lots of food. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because essentially their engine, <laughs> you know, the engine, when you're running, when you're that rajasic, which in, in the yoga world, rajasic means you're expelling energy like uh, you would be overly positively charged because <laughs> the positive positive in the way I've been trained in, in polarity therapy is positive is the projection. It's like when the energy is leaving and it pushes out. So it's felt as heat. And then whenever you have the negative, that's the energy that's moving internally towards the center. And that's, that's the negative energy and it's felt as cool. So when you get these ubermensch athletes that are just, you know, they're, they're, you know, hitting on all cylinders and always moving and doing that, they're usually <laughs> from a biological uh, age perspective, aging very, very fast. And a lot of people don't understand the difference between biological aging and chronological aging. They're not always the same. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Very, very good point. And is there such a thing as biological aging? You know, I mean, if you were optimally set up, would you actually age biologically? Because they say that all of your cells are no more than seven years old. That's the oldest cell in your body. I think so you should. Oh, go ahead. No, uh, you should be technically, you know, as good as seven years old, a seven year old. You know, I've been around people, I've been around physical masters, and by that meaning that they had the capacity to really do some phenomenal things with their bodies. And they were, they were still aging. They aged a lot slower than, than what, you know, the normal person I would say would go through. But I just think the age that we're in, I know this is just a projection of mine. I'm not making like a claim, a flat out claim that this is so. But we kind of fit the the whole notion of us living in the in the um, Iron Age, you know, <laughs> the start of your newsletter. You have the the Katha Upanishad, and I remember reading the Upanishads and being in my twenties and being like, "Oh my God, we're we're in the I think we're in the Tetra Yuga." I forget which yuga this this um, what would be considered the Iron Age, but all the descriptions of this age where there's just sort of this this degradation where things are getting smaller, things are getting they're not as long lived, they're not uh, expressing as high of their potential as possible. That all kind of fits the what I've observed in my in my environment. Even though I love my environment and I love you know, being, you know, as natural-esque as possible. It just seems like overall the quality of things in, in just my short lifetime has degraded. You know, it has, has gone from high quality inputs to like lower quality, lower quality. And that just fits the, the whole notion of us being in like the Kali Yuga. Yeah. Yeah, we are definitely in much lower quality, which is why we have to be a little more aware and, mm -hmm. you know, one thing that I read in Anna Mihalchia's book so far, I'm not 
through it by any means, but this was what I find so interesting about that book. And she has done extensive, extensive work in different healing modalities. She's an MD, PhD. The woman is really, really quite amazing. I have mm. tremendous admiration for her, if not a little crazy in the sense that when she was a teenager and uh, you know how you write in different in people's yearbooks when you're a teenager mm -hmm. you know you write a little comment um, she wrote that she wanted to study genetics and know everything there is to know she want <laughs> nice. so I mean that's cool isn't it for a yeah. teenager but she appears to have continued on that um, journey as an adult and as a researcher especially I have really tremendous admiration for her but um so yeah the in her book it says that the one thing that can really derail you from let's just say optimal health the best health that you can maintain is collecting and immersing yourself in what i will call untoward thoughts mm -hmm. so this in, in immersion into negativity fear woe worry all of that this is enough to start impairing your health. Absolutely. It will start crumbling things. And yet that's how we're taught. We're taught to be cautious. We're taught to be, you know, make a plan, have a five-year plan, have a 10-year plan. What do you, what are your goals? Never let blah, blah, blah get in the way of your goals. Mm -hmm. When again, we are in a journey, we have resilience and there are all different ways we can react to what happens to us, which is really the test of who we are, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's not our five-year plan. No. <laughs> it's so often in my life is like, if you want to see God laugh, make a plan. <laughs> it happens so often. It's just like, oh, got to gotta change gears here. Got to change gears. It's like, I, I think... Uh, I'm an amateur astrologer and not astrologer in this, in the sense of like, you know, giving horoscopes, but astrologer as like an astronomer, like real sky astronomer. And there's this whole thing that the four fixed Royal stars have all moved into the mutable signs now. And so there's this real, I don't know how your life has been, uh, but like for, for a lot of my peers and myself, the last like, God, five years have been this, this constant, like, you know, having to be able to adapt. Like <laughs> there's so many things that just are not like set in stone. Like there's like, everything is just kind of on these shifting sands. And I, I think it's kind of mirroring whatever is happening in the sky. You know, Christopher, I remember reading, I've read it twice because it's an extraordinary book. Um, the perfect storm. Ah, yes. Sebastian Younger, right? Right. What a book. But mm -hmm. this was about the Hannah Bowden fishing vessel. It was a swordfish boat called mm -hmm. a sword boat. And during these storms, these really heavy duty storms, where, where the waves are, they're actually breaking in the open ocean, which happens when the distance between one wave and the next exceeds a certain um, factor of its height. Mm -hmm. So when these waves are breaking on you in the ocean, and some of them are 60 feet high, 70 feet high, this is not unusual. So these boat fishing boats have to make a plan, okay, based on a calculation. Mm -hmm. 
and they have to figure out whether or try to guess whether they have enough fuel to to motor around the storm so mm -hmm. they can make a big circle around it or they've got to stay where they are and they've got to gun the boat up the face of the wave mm -hmm. such that it doesn't break on them so you, they keep basically it's the same as riding a wave if i mean jump you know how people jump up with waves that are yes. breaking close to shore so you're doing that but you're doing that with a boat and you're expending your fuel supply right so you run up the face of a 50 60 foot wave and you get you you get it get your boat to the point where the wave just washes basically past and you're not in the in the curl of it because once that wave dumps on your boat you have to bail and you become you know very prone to capsizing and whatnot mm -hmm. so here's what i thought was so interesting you've got to you've got to duke it out are you going to power around this storm or are you going to ride up it right up the face of the waves right and so mm -hmm. that's sometimes what happens to us in our lives we mm -hmm. have to we see we make a plan we see a horrible problem hatching from our what we thought was a golden plan and now what do we do we've got to ride those waves and we've got to muster up enough fuel and the thing is we have an unending supply of fuel which the boat captains don't have right right so we can always generate more life force to get us through these enormous crests that we have to ride mm -hmm. or enough life force to run around the problem yeah and that's the thing is like how that's that's a wonderful segue into how does one actually muster more of their prana you know we talked earlier about how we engineer our environment to give us the right conditions to have the energy necessary to do what we need but how how do we actually internally like let's say not depend on our environment and how do we how do we actually have the fortitude to power through something like this is this is i guess the question of all questions like the one of the bigger philosophical questions that could be asked like what what is i'll ask you just personally what what is your um what is the way in which you muster that internal energy to get through large problems in your life? I wouldn't say there's a way. You mm. have to invent it as you go, okay. right? That's right. the test of who you are. Nice. And you have to be extremely creative and mm -hmm. you have to be willing. I always say my favorite saying is a straight line is the quickest way to the wrong place. This is so true. So you have you have to take that zigzag and it can be exhausting, a tremendous amount of energy expended on all those little zigs and zags. But there's little there's all kinds of gifts on the way, right? Right. So I think if you collect those gifts from each little zig and zag, there's something, something mm -hmm. really phenomenal. And you really celebrate those instead of going, oh, my God, there was my five-year plan. And look at how many zigzags I've taken. I'm never going to get there. You have to say, okay, this is the 10-year plan, the 10-year plan to get to my five-year plan, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and stuff is happening to me that tests me, that, that challenges me mm -hmm. to face it, not be afraid of it. 
So mm. anyway, uh, you have to, I mean, everything is answered differently. And it all has to do with different phases of your life. When we were young, we tended to fall into problematic situations that we couldn't really recognize as they were coming toward us, right? Right. Or we chose them by some poor judgment or something. And the older we get, we realize, oh, well, there, there's that thing again. I'm not going to go there. Mm -hmm. So, but something else happens. So, but anyway... So there's no one way that I do anything. Well, you said it so perfectly. And you're like, you're probably the 10th high performer I've listened to in the last month or so that have all used one term. And that's like creative. You got to be creative. And this gets back to the whole notion of like in the, in the yogic world of when energy is moving up your body. You know, they talk about the third chakra is essentially like the, the aspect of your creative self. And then the solar plexus, you know, the sun, hydrogen, <laughs> going back to plasmatic water. But like once you get past that, then you can feel love. And so it's this, which is the fourth chakra. And this just, this has this mirror to me because I do see you as a high performer you're excellent at what you do and you use that word. You just got to get creative, which in a lot of ways is just saying you have to be able to have the spontaneity in the moment to be able to see yourself through and to be able to see what's appropriate in that moment. Yeah. I mean, thank you for the compliment, but again, I just consider myself another person. I'm just like you, just like anybody else. I am not, not, a shaman. I'm not an expert. I'm just trying to figure all this out. I'm trying to know everything there is to know. <laughs> You're like Anna Mahatra who wants to know everything about genetics. You're like, yeah, I want But to... that was when she was young. Right. So yeah, But still, it's pretty amazing. I mean, who else? Have you ever heard of any kid who writes down, I want to know everything there is to know? Um, I don't know. I have actually known some people, including myself, that had some very lofty goals. <laughs> yeah, but a lofty goal is one thing. To to specifically say, I want to know everything there is to know. This is maybe the loftiest of goals. Yeah, that's true. That's because true. who who knows everything there is to know. I mean, you could say I want to become a multimillionaire or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. And there are people who've done that. Those people are a dime a dozen. That's but true. I can't say that we could point to anyone who knows everything there is to know. No, I don't think I don't think that's possible in the temporal. That hasn't been done yet. Yeah, I, I really don't think that that's possible. Well, mm -hmm. Sophia, I know that you want that you had a, about an hour to to give to us today. Do you do you have any more time, or would you? I need to. I mean, I always think shows, as you can see, this show is not about oxidative stress or redox anymore. No. So I think shows kind of they. They come to their peak in about an hour, and then they they dribble out. Okay. So I think we hit the peak. Okay. Well, I'll let you go then. Thank you so much for coming on to the BioCharisma podcast. Once again, I always enjoy whenever I get the chance to to speak with you, and I all I listen to all of your work. I'll send I'll send this out to everybody. Um, go ahead and tell people where they can buy your products. And yeah, uh, my. My blog is sophiasmallstorm.com. Mm -hmm. I usually put one or two things up every day. Some days I'll skip a few because 
skip a few days because I've just got like I'm finishing a newsletter or something. And on SophiaSmallStorm.com, you can see to the left, there's a little icon for how to get my newsletter if you're interested. And as Christopher said, it goes by snail mail. There's a minimum donation per year. Mm -hmm. But I this is not a cutting and pasting of news. No. Um, this is more like theorizing it's written as entertainingly as I can make it. It's it's a friendly, user-friendly newsletter, okay? It's synthesis. It's a personal newsletter. Yeah, you could call it that too. And then my online store is avatarproducts.com, and there's a link to it from sophiasmallstorm.com. And right now, we have some pretty amazing books, really amazing books, I have to tell you. Um, the Gut Brain Secrets, Randy wrote that one too. And Cause Unknown, Edward Dowd. I think everybody needs to get that book. Um, you can I, read about them on the website. Yeah. And you're carrying art on, I see that you're carrying. Oh, yeah. Those are the AI generated prints that I did as an experiment that are truly mind blowing. Yeah. In the, in the style of, of the great artists. I mean, this is the program Mid Journey. If you want, we can do a show on that sometime. But you cannot give a Picasso. You can't buy one. What are they, $50 million? But if you go to Art and Prints on Avatar Products, you can see this program in four minutes did this beautiful Picasso-esque, absolutely beautiful. And then there's a couple of Van Goghs. There's a Coro, Botticelli. I mean, this, this program blew my mind. And I have a printer friend, uh, sorry, he's a, he, he has a frame shop. So I had some of these printed and framed through a connection of his, but take a look, art and prints, avatar products. Yeah, these are wonderful. I don't, uh, my sister, she's a professional artist. She's top 10 in the world in graphite. Like she, um, she's like she can do anybody's what's it called just the the face like when people draw the face portrait portrait she can do anybody's portrait like if if you're just to take a black and white photo she's she's exceptional and she's i mean she can do all different mediums she's really loving palette uh painting so is my mother right now um kind of have a family of artists these are awesome um okay. <laughs> yeah yeah, thank you for bringing that. And everybody also with Sophia's, um, with the supplements that you, I'm looking at this. I'm not- They're pretty basic. Yeah. The, those, I stick to iodine, magnesium, and then I sell the Restore right. or Ion as it's called. And then different derivatives of magnesium, like this, there's a magnesium deodorant, everybody buys it. There's a gel, all this, the cream is really good for pain. Um, so you can just browse through the store, see what you like. I always tell people, buy something cheap. If it works, buy another thing that's a little <laughs> more expensive, right? Precisely. The one thing I, I tried, uh, this is a while back. You probably have restocked them. I tried to order the, the light bulbs from you. Mm -hmm. And I think they were out of stock, but they're probably back in stock. Um is there anywhere yeah. with those light bulbs where I could find more information out about them? Because I tried to to look up the person who developed them and I wasn't, uh, for whatever reason, my research didn't yield any, any results. Yeah, you won't find much about that. I don't think there's only one company who makes them and they're actually going to go out of 
production. So these oh. are maybe the end of the line. Oh, bummer. Well, um, yeah. I'm definitely going to order those while I still can. I have one last question. I, I <laughs> do not want to forget this because I, I first was drawn to your work years and years ago around um, the whole, like you're about the sky website and you were very wonderful in teaching me about the high aerosol um, dispersants, what, what some people call chemtrails. And um, ever since moving back to the United States, I really noticed in, the, in this area that I live, the, the amount of uh, modifying of the sky with these, these high aerosol dispersants is quite extreme. And one of the things I've really been noticing, and this pertains back to the whole energy production and everything that we started our, our, our conversation with with biophysics, is that what I'm noticing is, is there's some very weird effect that these low-lying synthetic clouds are having with the quality of light. Well, yeah. yeah, they're dimming, but we can't get into this. This is another show. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm sorry. I, I just, uh, you're in my mind's eye. I, I, at some point, I really need to dive deep with you about that because it does, it's affecting light and it's affecting my body. So, well, that's the, what's everything we're talking about today. They're yes. dimming the sun right. through the haze. Right. All right. Well, thanks for the opportunity. And yes, Sophia, I, let me I know I'll when send this. this comes up. I will send it to you when it's when it's edited and uh, thank you again. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye All bye. right. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the podcast with Sophia Smallstorm. Please check out her work at sophiasmallstorm.com. That's spelled with an F. There's also her old website about the sky, which is a really cool aggregation of a lot of her work dealing with the the modification of our weather and i think her blog rolls through there so it's more like a video blog of current events very good and then avatar products i i get my magnesium and my nascent iodine from her at, at avatar products the whole health theme we're going to continue next week we're going to have dr shiel tongri I never thought when I started this endeavor that the majority of people I was going to be interviewing would be doctors, but that just seems to be the case. Um, it's in the air right now. A lot of people are looking at the subtle aspects of health, so this is good stuff. We're going to have him on. We're going to start a segment called uh, Coffee Talk with with Moshi, uh, Moshe, Dr. Moshe Daniel or Dr. Daniel Moshe Block, I don't know what's the best way to say it. I know him as Moshi. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, we're, we're diving into some of this orgone accumulator action, and uh, we're going to talk more about electroculture now that spring is trying to spring, and uh, people are putting their, their plants outside and, and trying to produce some, some good vegetation. So... We're going to do that very soon here. We're just trying to coordinate what's the best time for each other. I've done interviews with uh, Sharon of the Over Sharon show and with Emily Moyer. So those shows should be coming out very soon here. You know, I'm, I'm also going to have uh, Dr. Bear Lando on. <laughs> I have all these doctors coming on, so it's a lot of fun. So 
if you enjoy the the podcast, please donate. If you if you have the means, that'd be great. Um, there's some some experiments that I'm getting into here that are kind of expensive. <laughs> Prices of things have really gone up, as you all know. But uh, yeah, if if you feel like contributing, if you're getting something from this podcast, I always enjoy a little reciprocation. So you can do that at topherhq.com. I believe it's slash donations. And um, I've been really bad. I totally forgot that my website has its own email. So I'll be getting back to you guys in the emails on there. I haven't even checked since the site has gone up. So I'll do that very soon. Thank you again for your attention and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. I can't tell